We began on Sunday talking about the coat my father gave me, and uh, this is going to be a series we're going to be preaching on Sunday morning, but we're also going to be doing in Bible study on Wednesday nights. The, uh, the book, The Coat My Father Gave Me, was a book the Lord allowed me to publish this year. And uh, when I talk about the coat my father gave me, I'm not talking about my dad, George de los Santos. I'm talking about God, your father, all right? So we're talking about the coat my father. You say, say that with me. The coat my father gave me. Yeah, that's, that's yours, all right? We're talking about you. And so we're going to continue that tonight. But I want to announce that on Sunday night, we began a, a new and exciting marriage course called Marriage on the Rock. And this is going to be a six-week course that you have an opportunity to attend with your spouse, husbands, and wives. We encourage you to be a part of that. It is being taught by uh, Pastor Jimmy Evans, who is an expert and uh, who has been uh, greatly used by God in the area of marriage. But above being an expert on the subject of marriage and above having 46 years of marriage experience, uh, he has an anointing that God has given him, particularly in the area of marriage. So if you are married and you would like to have a, uh, a, a course that will either strengthen your marriage or possibly, uh, if you have a strong marriage, make it stronger. If you have a good ma marriage, make it gooder, right? If you have a weak marriage, we'll encourage and strengthen that. It's called Marriage on the Rock. It's absolutely free. And uh, you will be participating in the uh, teaching as well as in the small group discussion time. And so we want you to uh, be a part of that if you can. And we encourage you to uh, fight um, hell itself to get here on Sunday night, all right? Don't stay home because the marriage is the foundation stone of the family. And uh, God, God created marriage and he intends for marriage to be blessed and to be successful so uh, sometimes uh, we, we just take for granted that there's nothing you can do about it. It is what it is. But the Bible teaches us about relationships, doesn't it? It teaches us about every kind of uh, aspect of life. And so I encourage all of you married uh, couples to be a part of that. And um, if you weren't here on Sunday, you can still uh, start up this next Sunday. Really, any Sunday night you can be a part of that at 6 p.m., you are welcome. There's child care available as well. Also, we launched our Operation Christmas Child um, uh, project this past Sunday. And so you'll see over here a, uh, a stack of boxes. If you did not get a chance to participate or take your shoe box for Operation Christmas Child, we have them here still tonight. After tonight, they're going to be uh, stored away in the office. Okay, so if you need one, grab one tonight. In fact, if you need one, would you go ahead and grab one right now? Would you go, go ahead and go get one right now? Let's do that. And uh, what is Operation Christmas Child? If you're not aware of it, we are sending shoe boxes full of gifts, the gospel, and love to the children of the world. All right? So you get a chance to choose. In every shoe box is a brochure, and you get to choose a boy or a girl. And then the age uh, bracket that you're going to be giving gifts for. You buy gifts appropriate to that age. And in the uh, pamphlet, it'll tell you what gifts are appropriate for uh, a child. And then you fill that with your prayers. You, you write a letter to a child. And then you bring it back to the church the week um, that we're going to be 
the first week of November, we'll be receiving the boxes again. It will also be a regional, um, a re a regional drop-off center for folks who are bringing their boxes from around the region to, uh, to participate. Then from here, they go and are distributed by Operation Christmas Child and Samaritan's Purse to the nations of the world. And so if you have the opportunity and the, uh, the provision to be able to do that, I encourage you to do that. So it's a lot of, of fun. It's been a great project in my life. Thank you, JB. I've been participating since my freshman year in college. And um, the gospel is a, a treasure that we need to send to the hands of every child that we possibly can. So if you would be a part of that, uh, please do so. There's also an envelope in that box for a $9 uh, a gift that we give to Samaritan's Purse that helps with the shipping and the handling of the boxes. All right. Did you find Genesis already? Yes. Did you find Genesis chapter 50? Yes. All right. Go with me, please, to verse 15. Genesis chapter 50, verse 15. We're talking about the coat my father gave me and really... Now tonight we're going to focus on a very specific aspect of the life of Joseph. I'm going to start here and I'm going to go in a different direction, but we'll come back to this passage in just a moment. I have a question for everybody tonight. Do you have a good attitude? Oh, that was a week. We had to, had to think about it, didn't we? Uh, let me ask you again. Do you have a good attitude? Amen. Tonight I want to talk about the power of your attitude. All right, I want to talk about the power of your attitude. Vamos a hablar esta noche sobre el poder de tu actitud. And in the life of Joseph, we find an example of a man who had an incredible winning attitude. He had a godly spirit. And in this passage we're going to read tonight just to set the stage, the scripture says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong which we did to him? So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father charged before he died, saying, thus you shall say to Joseph, please forgive. I beg you the transgression of your brothers and their sin, for they did you wrong. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of God, of your father. And Joseph went uh, when they spoke to him. And his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for, I, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about his present result, to preserve many people alive. So therefore do not be afraid, I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Would you pray? Father, we thank you tonight for the presence of the Holy Spirit, which you have promised to those who gather in the name of Jesus. We ask now that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God. And I ask that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation, that as they hear the word, you might respond in faith from their hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. All right. Do you have a good attitude? All right. We're going to keep asking this question tonight. So you're going to have to decide. All right. It's just a yes or no question. All right. Maybe you say, Pastor, it depends. ¿Tiene usted una buena actitud o no? 
Do you know that an attitude is a very important part of your daily life? La actitud que uno tiene es una, una parte importantísima de nuestra vida. Basically, I want to define it for you. An attitude is a set way of thinking or feeling about someone or something typically reflected in the way that you behave. Una actitud es una forma de pensar o un sentir acerca de una persona o alguna cosa que típicamente es mostrada en la manera que uno se comporta. In other words, your attitude is a, a behavior that comes out of the way that you feel or think about a particular situation or a particular person. Una actitud es una forma en la cual usted se porta a través a, 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 a una persona o una cosa que usted le gusta, no le gusta, le cae bien, no le cae bien. Usted tiene cierta actitud. Some of you have a great attitude toward Uh, you know, ice cream and cookies, right? And you have a bad attitude towards celery and uh, carrots. And uh, some of you, when you see somebody on the street that you um, admire, you have an attitude of grace and joy toward them. Maybe you see somebody that did you wrong, and there's a little bit different attitude toward them, right? So the way that you and I feel and behave is important because it sets the direction of our life. Your attitude will predict the outcome of your life. Tu actitud va a determinar la dirección de tu vida y el resultado de tu vida. In fact, one of the definitions of an attitude is a, is a posture or a position of an, or an action. Una, una de las definiciones de una actitud es una postura. And so the attitude that you take in life sets your posture for the results that are going to come into your life. La actitud que usted y yo tomamos es una postura la cual usted y yo tomamos. And uh, in fact, if you, uh, if you know a little bit about aviation, there is, a, there is an instrument in an airplane that is called an attitude indicator. I'm going to ask them to show you a picture of an attitude indicator. Aquí le voy a mostrar un aparato que hay una, en los aviones que es el indicador de la actitud. And the attitude indicator basically is an artificial horizon. Now what's happening right now is that the picture that I asked them to get for me is not coming up on the screen and I have to have a good attitude about it, right? Now you see, attitude affects the preacher while he's preaching. Okay. Uh, it's an artificial horizon, una actitud, es, una, es, es un aparato, el indicador en, en el avión que le dice al, al piloto si, uh, en qué dirección va el avión uh, contra la tierra. The, uh, the attitude indicator on, a, on an airplane lets the pilot know whether he is flying above the horizon or whether he is going at an incline or whether he is going into a nosedive. And most often, the attitude indicator on an airplane is used when the weather is so bad that you can't see the horizon. All right? And the, the importance of that is that there is an attitude indicator in every one of your life. Really, the way you behave, the way you and I um, adopt, the attitudes we adopt, determine whether our life is going up or whether our life is going down, whether we are going to crash land, or whether we are going to fly higher. Say amen, somebody. 
Nuestra actitud es como este aparato en el avión que nos va a dar a entender si vamos a subir o vamos a, a, a bajar, si va a ser un desastre o si vamos a poder a, a nivelar nuestra vida. And so you and I have to be very aware of the fact that your attitude is determining where you're going. Nuestra actitud determina a dónde vamos. Also the word attitude is used in the arts. It's a, uh, it's a position that ballerinas take. And um, the position is this. I'm going to read it for you just a moment. See if anybody in here can uh, duplicate this for you. The attitude in ballet is a position in which one leg is lifted behind you with your knee bent at a right angle and turned out and the corresponding arm is raised above your head and the other extended to the side. All right, now I have a picture for you there because if I try to demonstrate it for you, I would fall over. All right. This, this, uh, this, Action right here that ballerinas can take on the on the floor is something that signals them out as having achieved uh, basically what ballet is all about. It is a signature move, all right. And when you can stand on your tiptoe with one leg out and, and one arm up and not fall over, you have taken an incredible posture. Well, here's what I want you to see on in a ballet when you see that move. That's usually the one you remember. Well, guess what? Your attitude is just like that. It's the thing that people are going to remember. Say amen, somebody. If, if you brought me a birthday cake with a bad attitude, what am I going to remember? The attitude of the cake. I say five years ago, they brought me a bad attitude. I don't even remember. It was a chocolate cake, a vanilla cake, strawberry shortcake. I can't remember. All I remember is the attitude. And so uh, the, the ballerina is, is, uh, is just a reminder of the fact that when you see that grace on stage, uh, thank you, Angela, it reminds you that that person has decided to take a posture that is difficult, that is challenging and that requires training. Your attitude is difficult and it requires training. Say amen, somebody. And it can determine uh, the outcome of your life. And when we think about Joseph in the Bible, we think about a man who experienced great, great difficulty, incredible challenges. He was favored by his father Jacob. José fue favorecido por su padre, Jacob. Y cuando esto ocurre, Jacob tenía, uh, in, at this moment, Jacob had 11 sons. He would later have one more, so make 12. Uh, Jacob tenía 11 hijos, 10 hermanos mayores y luego José. Y él favoreció a José. He favored Joseph, and that made the other 10 jealous, and it made them angry. And this led them to an act of treachery. Esto causó una, una traición que ocurriera en la familia en la cual los hermanos de José lo vendieron como esclavo. In this act of treasury, uh, treachery, uh, Joseph's brothers sold him as a slave. Now, I'm sure that all of you have some stories you could tell about things your siblings did to you. I'm the kid brother, so I have stories to tell. Now, I'm just going to tell you one. There's one occasion where my brothers decided to throw me out of a tree and uh, just about broke my arm, all right? And uh, so I have worked through in counseling uh, over that. You know, I have forgiven them. 
But uh, that act of treachery, that act that they did to me was not anywhere near what Joseph's brothers did to him. They sold him as a slave. And you can imagine that Joseph, who loved his father, his father loved him, is sold as a slave. He's a, he's a young man, probably 17 years old. He's a teenager. And he doesn't see his father again or hear from him again for about 15 years. In which time he doesn't know if his father is alive, whether he's dead. I'm sure he could, he could have done without seeing his brothers. But going without seeing his father, the only person who he really knew loved him. And, uh, and that word and that voice of his father and his mother in his life was a tremendous loss to him. When he is sold as a slave, he goes to the house of a man named Potiphar. And Potiphar was a very influential man in the, in the, in the nation of Egypt. He was one of the Pharaoh's counselors. And so Potiphar had a lot of wealth, a lot of influence, a lot of power, and Joseph arrives in the house of Potiphar as a slave, and he distinguishes himself as an extraordinary servant. Cuando José es vendido por sus hermanos, él llega como esclavo a la casa de Potifar, y ahí él se distingue como un increíble siervo. And here's where we begin to see Joseph's attitude. Aquí es donde comenzamos a ver la actitud de José. Joseph, when he arrives at Potiphar's house, could have had the attitude that would say, you're not going to get anything out of me unless you beat me. You're not going to get anything out of me unless you force me to do it. La actitud de José en la casa de Potifar pudiera haber sido, a mí no me vas a sacar nada bueno. Si me sacas algo, lo vas a sacar a la fuerza, a golpes. Porque no te voy a servir. He could have taken the attitude, I'm not going to serve you. And this is a, a test, really, in Joseph's life, but it's the same test all of us endure. What do you do when you're the guy at the bottom? What is your attitude when you are not the one in charge? ¿Cuál es tu actitud cuando tú eres la persona abajo, la que no tiene poder o dominio? Many of us uh, find ourselves in that situation from time to time, whether it be a, a uh, in the family or in a job or at school where, where, where you work, there might be opportunities where you are tested by not being able to change the circumstances around you, not being able to alter or affect the way that people see you, the way that people treat you. A veces uno se encuentra en circunstancias bajas donde no tiene poder o autoridad, no tiene el decir, no tiene ni aún su independencia. Y ahí hay una prueba en nuestra vida, ¿cuál es la actitud que vamos a tomar? What is your attitude going to be when life puts you on the bottom? ¿Cuál es tu actitud cuando la vida te pone abajo? And you and I have to remember that those, those situations are in one way or another allowed by God in Joseph's life to bring him to a greater level. Esas uh, cosas ocurren en la vida de José para traerlo a otro nivel. And when you read the Bible, you discover that rather than adopt the attitude of saying, I'm not going to be a servant, I'm, I'm better than this, I am, I am uh, entitled to more, Joseph adopts the spirit that says, I'm going to be the best servant that this house ever had. I'm going to do my job 
with excellence. I'm going to do it with quality. And you know what a testimony that is when Christians do the thing that they have been called to do or, or paid to do or uh, asked to do without being seen, without anybody watching you, when you observe and honor uh, God above all. Because Joseph understood that he wasn't really working for Potiphar. He was working for God. He was doing this for God. And so his attitude in the middle of that is a powerful reminder to us of uh, what an incredible thing it is to, to set your heart your mind in the direction of saying, I may be in a low place, but I don't have to live low. Say amen, somebody. I might be down right now, but I don't have to live like I'm down. I don't have to live like this is the worst it's ever been and the best it's ever going to be. I can have a mind that says God is bigger, bigger things for me, better things for me. Uh, there, there's a family here at the church that's gone through some uh, troubled times in and finances and health recently, and uh, one of the sisters, she, I'm not going to say who she was because I want to protect her privacy, but uh, she told me the other day, Pastor, I ate me a T-bone steak. And she just told me how good that steak was and how uh, they had uh, prepared it at the house and so on. And I just thought, you know what, that's a good attitude to take. When you're going through life's challenges, you're going through all these issues with your health and your finances and things aren't shaping up, you've got to decide, am I going to sit under this cloud and just act like God doesn't have anything to say about it? Or am I going to decide to put some honey in my mouth and realize that there is a sweetness even in the midst of the pain, that God can do things for me, that God can bring me up? Come on, somebody. Your attitude is going to determine how long you stay in that pit. It's going to determine how long you stay in that hole. Now, as, as Joseph proves himself, he becomes the head servant. He becomes the man in charge. And the scripture says that when he became uh, the man in charge, he was, the Bible says he was a well-built. He was a good-looking dude. And Potiphar's wife, saw him, and she wanted to go to bed with him. And she said to him, take me to bed. And he said, no. And the Bible says that day after day, she came to him saying, take me to bed. And he said, no. And this is now the second test for him because now his attitude is, what is his attitude going to be towards sin? It's, it's one thing to decide, okay, I've got to decide what's my attitude toward hardship, my attitude toward difficult circumstances, but what's your attitude toward sin? A lot of people take an attitude toward sin that says sin is okay, sin is not a problem, it's not a big deal, it doesn't hurt anybody, doesn't bother God, doesn't bother me, friend. You have to decide to have a godly attitude towards sin and to say to sin, no. David, I mean, Joseph said to Potiphar's wife, he said, I cannot do this wicked thing because I will be sinning against God and I will be sinning against my, my master, your husband. He said, your husband has given me control over everything in this house but you. And I will not sin against you and against your husband, I will not sin against God. Finally, the Bible said that she, uh, there, the day came when they were the only two in the house. Uh-oh. Say, uh-oh. And the scripture said that when she realized that 
she and Joseph were alone in the house, that she grabbed his cloak and said, take me to bed. And he got out of there like you wouldn't believe it. He dropped his jacket and he ran out of the house. The Bible says to flee youthful lust. Run away. Don't play with sin. Your attitude towards sin has to be, no way, Jose, not in a million years. I'm not going to look. I'm not going to touch. I'm not going to feel. I'm not going to try or taste. I am out of here. Joseph got out of there as quickly as he could, and now he's in a whole new world of trouble because now Potiphar's wife takes his cloak, and she says, look, this Hebrew tried to rape me, and she cries rape, accuses him, and a powerful, influential woman accusing a servant and a slave leads Joseph into prison. Now Joseph's life was going up and it seems to be going down again. And now he has another decision to make. What do you do in prison? Again, he can take the attitude, I'm not going to put up with this. I'm going to be the hardest prisoner anyone in here ever had to deal with. I'm going to have a bad attitude. I'm going to break all the rules. I'm going to push every line, every button. I'm going to make sure that you, are, that you have a headache at the end of every day dealing with me. Instead, the scripture tells us that Joseph became the model uh, a prisoner, and instead of becoming a problem, he became an asset to the degree that the warden in the prison put Joseph in charge of the entire prison. You couldn't keep this guy down. His attitude was such that wherever he ended up, he was going to rise to the top. And listen, guys, this is the very attitude that you and I can cultivate because we are children of God. God has put it within you to rise to the top of all adversity, to rise to the top of every situation. Come on. I'm talking about wherever you are, God has put it within you to rise up. And that rise begins in your heart, in your mind. It begins with an attitude that decides how you're going to behave. This is what John Maxwell says. He says, an, an attitude is the advance man of our true selves. It, is, it roots, uh, its, its roots are inward, but its fruits are outward. An attitude is your best friend or your worst enemy. An attitude is more honest and more consistent than our words. You ever notice that? Your attitude will tell the truth on you. How you doing? Fine. You said, I'm fine, but your attitude said... I'm not fine. Your attitude will, spoil the, will spill the beans. Your attitude is never content until it's expressed. Your attitude is a librarian of your past. It is the speaker of your present and the prophet of your future. Joseph is in prison. He has to decide, what's my attitude going to be? José cae en la cárcel, ahora tiene que decidir cuál es mi actitud. Y él decide la actitud de uno que dice, yo voy a superar esto, I'm going to rise above this. Now when he's there, the Bible said that he's in prison with a couple of guys who are uh, also former employees of the Pharaoh. One of them is the baker and one of them is the cup holder. He is the, the guy that tastes the wine to make sure it's not poison. And they both have a dream. Now, Joseph was a dreamer. Joseph was the man who had seen the future of Israel as a teenager in a prophetic dream. He was a dreamer, but he was not living his dream. 
And so he's got to decide what's his attitude going to be when his dream isn't coming true. What's his attitude going to be when, when things are not going his way and, and they come to him with a dream? And this is what happens sometimes when you come to somebody with a dream and their dream has been crushed, their attitude will tell you that they don't want to hear your dream. They don't have time for your dream because dreams don't come true. Visions don't come to pass. Vienen a José con un sueño y José tiene sueños que Dios le dio, sueños proféticos que no están realizados. Y a veces cuando usted lleva un sueño a una persona que ha sufrido fracaso en sus sueños, la actitud es una de amargura. Joseph, however, doesn't respond with bitterness. Instead, he says, tell me your dream. Tell your neighbor, tell me your dream. You see, his attitude is one that says, just because I have a dream doesn't mean you can't have a dream. Just because I fail doesn't mean you're going to fail. Come on, we have to challenge the attitude that sometimes gets up in our culture. You know, we have a lobster culture sometimes. You ever seen lobsters in a tank? You go to a, a, a seafood restaurant, the lobsters are there. And if there's a lobster climbing his way out of the tank, the other lobsters just reach up and pull him down. Where are you going? You don't have any place to go. You're one of us. And sometimes you become, with your attitude, you become the voice that tells people, where are you going? Don't you dream? Don't you think any better than this? And, and, and that's not the spirit of God, friends. That's not the attitude of the spirit. Joseph says, tell me your dream. And when, he, when they tell him his dream, he starts to share his gift with them. He starts to give them that, that, uh, that spiritual fruit that he has, that prophetic insight, and he interprets their dream. And he tells one of them, you're going to die in three days. And that wasn't very good interpretation, but he said it with a good attitude, all right? He had a good spirit about it. He's, he said, you're going to die in three days. The other guy, the cupbearer, he said, you're going to re return to the throne. He said, but hey, when you get there, tell Pharaoh about me. Well, that guy, uh, the prophecy came true, and within a few days, he was in, in the throne room again, restored. The Bible says that he forgot all about Joseph. Have you ever been forgotten? He got forgotten for two years. That's a long time to be forgotten. What do you do when you're forgotten? What attitude do you take when someone forgets to include you, when someone forgets to invite you, when someone forgets to, to share their success with you, someone that you help to the top And this is Joseph's situation, but instead of getting bitter about it, he continues to have that attitude that says, God is with me. God is for me. If they, if they forgot about me, God hasn't forgotten about me. And I just want to let you know that is an attitude of faith that says, if the whole world forgets who I am and where I'm at and doesn't know anything about me, God knows where I'm at and God knows who I am and God knows what he's going to do in my life. Say amen, somebody. God hasn't forgotten about you. And finally, the Bible said Pharaoh had a dream no one could interpret. And the cupbearer said, oh, you know what we say in Spanish, ya pa que, right? Two years later, oh. He says, I know a guy, he's in prison. 
His name is Joseph, and this man can interpret dreams. And he, he told me what was going to happen in my life and my career, and it happened just like he said. And in a moment, Joseph went from the prison, from the pit, to the palace. In a moment, he went from a nobody to the second most important man in all of Egypt because he decided to trust God with his attitude. Come on, somebody. He decided to say, God has got this in his hands. Do you have a good attitude? Some of you are being honest now. Make an altar call, Pastor. Make the altar call. Joseph, when they call him, I want you to just imagine this. There he is sitting, forgotten, in prison. His beard is, out, is outgrown. His hair is overgrown. He is in uh a place where nobody knows where he's at. He doesn't know if his dad is alive. His brothers think they've gotten rid of him forever. And that morning he wakes up thinking it's another day in prison. It's another day as the warden's right hand. It's another day to just continue my routine. But that day God pulls him out of the pit. The Bible said that David cut his hair. I mean, not David, Joseph. He shaved his head. He shaved his beard. Why? Because he was going into the presence of Pharaoh, and the Pharaohs would shave their heads. They would shave their beards. He could have had the attitude, I'm not going over there. What do I care about Egypt? What do I care if the Pharaoh needs me? Now, he arrives in a position of authority because he submits himself to the fact that God is opening these doors. And scripture says that he saved all of Egypt. And I just want to mention this briefly. Joseph, if you study Joseph's life, he built the empire of Egypt that you and I read about in the textbooks. He built it. The land that Egypt acquired, they acquired through the buying and selling of Joseph. This man built that kingdom. A Hebrew built Egypt. What if he had had the wrong attitude? Now here's the crux of the story. In the desert, over there in, uh, in Jacob's tent are Joseph's brothers. They've now grown to a little tribe of about 70 people. And that tribe has a distinction of being the bloodline of the Messiah. Our salvation depends on that family, that Jewish tribe. Well, the scripture said that this famine came into the land and it threatened the lives of the tribe of Israel. It, it, it threatened the life of the bloodline of the Messiah. And so Jacob says, you know what, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. There is corn over there. What he didn't know was that it was his boy that had provided the bread. And provided the grain. And they go into Egypt. And the scripture says that when they come into Egypt, they discover that Joseph, their brother, who they sold into slavery, is the top man. And nobody in Egypt can buy or sell without his approval. And now they say, uh-oh. Now the, the New Testament merges. What do you do when you're on top? Almost all of us have experienced the test of being on the bottom. But what do you do when you're on the top? When they give you the power. You know that power and authority is a tremendous, tremendous responsibility. 
What do you do when you're in control? Let me ask you some questions. What do you do when you know about somebody's past and you can use it against them? What do you do when the people who used to have money don't and now you used to not have money and you do? What do you do when you walk past somebody that wronged you and you have the opportunity to give them a hand? Am I, am I getting across tonight? The attitude now is being tested of, of a man who's on top. He's now has the authority to say, off with their heads, and these guys are gone. But instead, he says to them, don't be afraid. I'm going to care for you. I'm going to provide for you. And he says to them, I'm going to feed you. And the Bible says this, that they wept in front of Joseph and he comforted them. He said, what you meant for evil, what you meant to destroy me, God has turned it into the salvation of many people. What you meant as something that was wicked and treacherous, God used it as a stepping stone, not only for my life, but in order to save the Jewish nation, in order to save the Jewish people. And now we see the, the result of the heart of this man. That after all of this, now that he has the power, instead of using his power to punish, he now uses his power to build up the nation of Israel and to build up the lives of the people who had done him wrong. Friend, you cannot do that apart from the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you, working in you the attitude of Christ. And this is what the Bible says. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ. When the Bible talks about attitude, it doesn't use the word attitude. It uses the word mind. It says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ. Cuando la Biblia habla de actitud, usa la palabra mente. And it says this, let your mind be renewed. Habla de la renovación de nuestra mente. Our minds need to be renewed. Nuestra mente tiene que ser renovada. Our mind has to be brought under submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Nuestra mente tiene que ser traída a la, al Señorío del Señor Jesucristo. Because our minds so bruised and so affected by sin and by the hardships that we go through can become bitter and can become a factory for bitterness and a factory for hurt and, and for bad attitudes. And sometimes you run in, you walk into people or you run into people who you know have been through some stuff, right? You get a cashier that, that's just mean and rude and aggressive and you think, what did I do to you, lady? You get a, uh, I, I had a waitress once that threw my, my plate on the, uh, on the table. When I go to Waffle House, I kind of expect it anyway, right? But uh, they threw my plate on the table and my pork chops fell off the plate. It's like, don't mess with my pork chops. <laughs> Easy with the pork. I drove all the way to Houston for this. Bad attitude. But you know what? They have become a factory for bitterness. Because their mind hasn't been renewed. 
Their mind hasn't been changed. And until your mind is changed, you can't have the attitude that Jesus had. And you can't have the, have the attitude that Joseph had. But when your mind is being renewed, the Bible said, do not be conformed to this world. But be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The, the word of God, the presence of God, the preaching of God's word renews our mind. It changes the way we think. And it makes us someone who is able to forgive. It makes us someone who is able to overlook some wrongs that have been done in our life or in our past. And it gives us the attitude, the mind of Christ. And you know what? I am so glad that God has this mind, friend. Because if he didn't, when you and I came to him, he would say, what do I have to do with you? You've sinned. You've broken my law. You've broken my commandments. What do I have to do with you? But instead, what we find when we come to God is that he, he accepts us as his sons. He adopts us into the family of God because of our evidence, faith in Jesus Christ. And that makes us a part of the family of God. And we're not a part of God's disfavor. We're a part of God's grace and favor upon our life so that now he calls us sons. Why? Because his attitude was one that said, forgetting the things that are behind, get, getting sin out of the way, I'm going to deal with all of that because I want to be in my, uh, in my house with my kids. And you and I can have the mind of Christ as we, as we walk by the Spirit because you know guys, the Holy Spirit is the attitude adjuster. Say amen somebody. El Espíritu Santo ajusta nuestra actitud. Just try it. If you are saved and you're, you're indwelled by the Spirit of God, just try having a bad attitude. See if the Holy Spirit doesn't get a hold of you. It's like your mama in church used to pinch you in the back of the arms. Oh, should adjust your attitude real quick. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Hey, 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 what's this? What's this? What's this tone you're using? What's this, this, this language, this negativity, this I can't you're talking about? This isn't me. This isn't our, us. This isn't our family. The Holy Spirit will adjust your attitude. So tonight some of you need to pray, Holy Spirit, adjust my attitude. Come on, somebody. That's a good prayer. You see, you see your husband has been annoying you. You say, Holy Spirit, adjust my attitude. Put me in the right place, in the right setting. Give me the right spirit, the right voice. You know, the Bible said that a gentle word turns away wrath. El Espíritu Santo llega cuando tenemos una actitud mala y nos ajusta la actitud, nos ajusta en los pensamientos, nos recuerda que hay otra manera de pensar. Entonces tenemos que tener siempre esa puerta abierta para que el Espíritu Santo venga y nos haga una habitación de la mente de Dios. We need to let the Holy Spirit keep us constantly in the habitation of the mind of Christ. And if you get out of that mind, get back in as soon as possible. Because life's going to happen. You know that, right? Life is going to happen. People are going to cut you off sometimes on the, on the highway. Your, your waitress is going to forget your order. Okay, the dog is going to tear up the couch. 
the kids are going to forget their brand new cell phone at school. These things are going to happen. You've got to decide, am I going to have the mind of Christ? What's my attitude going to be about this? You know, I adopted a little attitude a long time ago. When I lose something that is of material worth, I just say this, it's nothing but a thing. Can you say that? It's nothing but a thing. You know, sometimes people lose their mind over things. They lose their mind over a scratch in their car or a dent. I, I had a I had to uh, talk a man down once. He wanted to divorce his wife because of a fender bender. Bad attitude. It's only a truck. You're not going to take it to heaven. You're not even going to take it to hell. It's not going anywhere. It's a truck. You say, yeah, but I work hard for that truck. That truck is my life. Well, that's the problem then. Because it's just a thing. People are more important than things. Say amen, somebody. People are more important than things. So I told him, either sell the truck or change your attitude. If that truck means more to you than your marriage and your children, you have all kinds of problems, buddy. You need a different mindset, a different approach, because it's just things. And sometimes we get in a bad attitude over things. Things you can't, that can be easily replaced, things that can be brought back into your life. Maybe it's something you saved up for. Maybe it's something that's not easily replaced. Give it some time. But don't mess with the relationships and the valuable people that are in your life. And, you know, unfortunately, we often mistreat worse those who we love the best or the most. At work, you hear the guy say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, let me open the door for you. What would you like? Can I help you find something? And at the house, where are my socks? No, yes, ma'am, no, no, ma'am. No, can I help you find? Where are my keys? Hey, wait a minute. I said, wait a minute. That, that person at your job, if they deserve respect and they're a complete stranger, how much more do the people who live in your house deserve your respect and your honor? That she chose to marry you, buddy. And, and those kids belong to you, buddy. So you can treat people right in the, on the street. You better treat them right at home. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ. You can't imagine Jesus slamming doors. La actitud de Cristo es una de paz. Una de entendimiento, the attitude of Christ is one of understanding. He says, you know what? You bent up my new car. I've done things like that too. But often in the moment, our, our problems are minor and other people's problems are massive. Right? It becomes this major problem. We make a federal case. Out of a little thing. You say, Pastor, how do you know all this? You live alone. I have a mirror. 
what were you thinking? Listen, write these things down. Number one, your attitude is a choice. Escribe esto, tu actitud es una decisión. Can you say that with me? My attitude is a choice. All right, now you said it. You can't say you didn't know. Tomorrow morning, if you wake up with a bad attitude, guess what? You have a choice. How many of you, let's be honest now, all right? Because the only people that Facebook can see is me anyway. So this will not be documented for history. All right? But how many of you can tell when you have a bad attitude? Raise your hand. You know. Okay. That's 90% of you. The other 10 are lying. <laughs> if you can tell, you know, we can tell, right? I have a bad attitude right now. You know what you can do? If you have the presence of mind to know I have a bad attitude right now, you have the opportunity to make a choice. I'm going to change my attitude. La actitud es una decisión. Y cada uno de nosotros puede entender cuando está en una mala actitud. Y por eso tenemos la decisión. Yo puedo cambiar como yo voy a actuar en esta situación. Listen, often times when things happen suddenly, there's that first moment, that spark, and that's the moment where we show our real self, right? After that, you have a choice. If you got mad the first two seconds, maybe you didn't have a choice. But after that, you have a choice now. Ahora, usted tiene una decisión. ¿Voy a seguir enojado o no? ¿Voy a seguir sentido o no? Am I going to keep being... Um, uh, emotionally upset or am I going to keep being mad or am I going to keep having my feelings hurt or am I going to decide that I can change this and why? Because you have the person of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you and he can adjust your attitude. But you know, I, you know I've discovered us, uh, our pride doesn't let us adjust our attitude because we say if I change my attitude right now people are going to know that I was wrong. I got to keep being mad. I got to keep being hurt. I got to keep being upset. Satan rebuke you. There is a better way. And humility says, you know what? It's okay. Not a big deal. I got, I got upset. You got upset. We're, let's just calm down. Let's, let's do this right. It's a choice. Number two. Attitudes, this is going to be hard. It's going to be hard for some of you to believe, but this is important. Attitudes are not caused by the people or circumstances in your life. Yes, they are, preacher. You don't know my family. Listen, your attitude was not caused by the people or circumstances in your life. Número dos, tu actitud no es la causa de las personas o las circunstancias en tu vida. You cannot, you cannot change the people around you. You cannot change your circumstances sometimes. What you can change is your attitude. Joseph was in prison. He still had a good attitude. He was falsely accused. 
He had a good attitude. He was forgotten. He had a good attitude. He was in power, had the authority to, to destroy his brothers. He still had a good attitude. So that means that it's a choice, and the things that happen in your life don't determine that. You know, it's a cop-out for us to say, you made me do it. I feel this way because of you. If I lived in a better situation or had better people in my life, I wouldn't be like this. You would be like that if Jesus lived in your house. Oh, pastor's telling the truth now. Because you're the one that decides on your attitude. I promise you that the circumstances in your life, they're out of your control, but you have a decision to make. Las circunstancias de tu vida van a ser lo que van a ser. La actitud es la que usted decide. Entonces no le puede echar la culpa a alguien más o a otra cosa y decir, si otras cosas hubieran pasado en mi vida, yo no estuviera así. Look, if someone is bitter, if they're upset, if they are mad, if they're angry, they can't blame yesterday. They're making a decision to stay there. They're making a decision to live there. You have a choice. Come on, somebody. So stop blaming your circumstances because the attitude that says, I can, is the attitude of the Holy Spirit. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You think about people who have had great success in life. They weren't all born with a silver spoon in their mouth. They weren't all born on a pedestal. Some of them were born in the, the, the ruin. They were born on the bottom. But they had a spirit in them that said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I don't have to adopt the attitude of my location or my geography. I can have the mind of Christ. I can have the mind of the spirit that says I get to choose how I feel about this. I get to choose where I'm headed. Number three, your attitude, as I've stated, predicts your outcome. Número tres, tu actitud determina el resultado. Are you in a, are you in a climb or are you in a cruise or are you in a crash? It's your, it's your choice. Tu actitud determina el resultado para ese avión si va hacia arriba, si va derecho o si va hacia abajo. Número four, número four, there you go. Say amen, somebody. Number four, the Holy Spirit will teach you how to have the mind of Christ. When you walk with him, he will teach you how to have the mind of Christ. How many of you want to be taught by the Holy Spirit? Amen. Every day you wake up and you ask the attitude adjuster, Holy Spirit, teach me. How do I respond? When life is kicking me around, how do I respond? How do I respond to this person, this situation in my life? Listen, guys, you and I have a choice to make tonight. Every day, here's the choice I've decided to make. I'm going to have a good attitude. This is why. Because God is God. And God is good. And God likes me. 
and God loves me. So why wouldn't I have a good attitude about that? Doesn't matter what happens in life. God is God. God is good. God likes me. God loves me. He calls me son. So tonight you can say, whatever you're facing, God is God. And God is good. And God is, loves me. He has a, a, he's made a decision to love me, to, to care for me, to provide for me. And because that is true, I can have the mind of Christ. I can walk in victory today. Say amen, somebody. I can, I can have a good attitude for this reason also. God has redeemed my failures and turned around my disappointments. You know that? Let me just encourage you tonight. God can redeem your failures. Sometimes the person we treat the worst is us. And you treat yourself badly because of your failures, because of your past, because of what you experienced, because of the mistakes you made, because of the, the, the flaws that you have in your life. Can I just tell you this? God is in the redemption business. He redeems failures every single day. And he turns around disappointments. So you can smile at the future. You can have a good attitude about uncertain days. That's what the Bible says. That a righteous man has a good attitude about uncertain days. Why? Because God is God. God is good. God loves me. And God can turn things around in my favor in a moment. I can go from the prison to the palace and be on top. Because God is good and God is in my life. I can have a good attitude because God is bigger than the giants and the mountains that I face. Think about David. He faced Goliath. What kind of attitude did David have? Oh, man, it's going to go bad. I don't know if I'm going to make it. This is probably it for me. God always puts me in these tough spots. I don't know why the Lord does this to me. Well, David goes out there like this. Come on, Papa. You're going down today. And I'm going to take your head home as a souvenir. He had an attitude that said, God is bigger than the giants that I face. God is bigger than the mountain in front of me. Come on, somebody. God is bigger than the mountain in front of you. I don't think you heard me. I said, God is bigger than the mountain in front of you. The prophet Zechariah, he said, who are you to stand before me, O great mountain? For it is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Guess what? God is still destroying mountains, and he is still dropping giants for those who will believe him. Do you have an attitude of faith tonight that says God is good or God is God, God is good, God loves me, God can redeem my past and God is bigger than my giants and he's bigger than the mountain in my life and God is in my life to stay. He is my God, he's my father. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ who although he existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to hold on to. 
But he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, and he became obedient unto death, even the death on the cross. For this reason, God so highly exalted him and gave to him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess both on the earth and under the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is the model of a good attitude, of a whole, healed, healthy mind. And God wants you to have that by faith tonight. Choose your attitude. Choose the attitude that says, I can, I will, I have, I can have what God says I can have, I can be who God says I can be, I can do who God says, do what God says I can do, I can go where God says I can go, I am, I am a child of God, I have the health of God in my body, I do, I do what I do by the grace of God in my life. Come on somebody, you decide tonight whether you're going to believe God or not, whether you're going to have an attitude of faith or not. And when you make up your mind, when you make that decision, your circumstances can't define you anymore. And the voices around you can't define you anymore because you're defined by the voice of the Spirit. You're defined by the voice of the conqueror living on the inside of you, the voice of the Holy Spirit. Come on, just stand up with me right now and just invite the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart, to your mind. Right where you are, just lift your hands. And tell him, Holy Spirit, adjust my attitude. Just invite him to speak to your heart. I don't want to blame people anymore. I don't want to blame the people around me. I want to have the mind of Christ. I want to take responsibility. I want to have a godly attitude towards sin. I want to have a positive attitude toward the challenges that I face. I want to have the mind of the Spirit in every moment of my life. And when I fail, I want to get back up and go at it again because I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Come on, where's the voice of the church tonight? Tell them, renew my mind. Renew my heart. Renew my focus. Renew my love for God. Renew my love for the Word. Renew how I think. How I feel, how I react, because I want to be glorifying to God. I want to walk in the freedom and power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. God is good. I said God is good. God is the redeemer of your failures. He is the redeemer of your disappointments. He can turn your setbacks into head starts.